it is Palm Sunday. And uh, we're going to talk about from the back of a donkey to the throne. How many know what that story must be about? Yes, it must be about Jesus. So next week, they have been working really hard. There's going to be an amazing presentation next week for Easter. So be sure and invite a friend. Amen? Invite family. Invite friends. There's, it's it's going to be an amazing, amazing time. And so just a little preview. We have a special guest coming next week. That you have to get here early, though, because I'm going to be interviewing the guests by video in the first part. So this would give you a little idea, maybe, who's coming. And uh, he says, I've seen a lot of things while hiding eggs, and it's all in my tell-all book. So he will be here next week. We'll have things for the kids. There's going to be an egg-dying contest, uh, among other things. So next week is the fun and games. It's going to be a great inspirational presentation. Please bring someone along. And uh, it's going to be great, but they're, they're, uh, we're anticipating, amen, anticipating that hearts are going to get connected to the, the meaning of Easter next week. So today is the lead up to Easter. It's the story that precedes what happened that fateful Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's the, from the back of a donkey to the throne, and Josiah always made, already made reference to it. It's the story of Jesus' triumphal entry. And some of the events that followed right after. But let's pray into this today. Oh, thank you, God. Father, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We magnify you that this day and the, the leading, the proceeding up to Easter Sunday. And uh, the events that took place the week before were all part of the story. And we just pray today that as we look at those things... That there would be something even new, though for some they've done this dozens of times. There would be something new that your word says that this is the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. I pray not for information, but I pray for transformation. That something would connect in us that would allow us to see, to hear, to perceive the things of your kingdom and the lordship of Jesus today. I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be present in the room. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you cause everyone to hear in their own language today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, we're going to look at a a couple of the different Gospels because this story is in uh, all four of the Gospels. But in John 12, it says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, And went out to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a colt. Amazing. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now, if you've spent any time in the scriptures, you, you understand that when Jesus was walking out his life, not only was he being led by the will of the Father to do the signs and the wonders, the healings, and to declare the gospel of the kingdom in a way that it had never been revealed before, but he was also very mindful that he had a prophetic role to fulfill all that the prophets had declared. And so you see at different times that he will do certain acts to fulfill scriptures that in this case that about riding on a colt, that was uh, prophesied 
500 years before under the prophet Zechariah's ministry. And so all the time, even up to the very end, it said that all things might be fulfilled. When he's hanging on the cross, he said, I thirst that the, the uh, sour vinegar might be presented to him just so he could fulfill a scripture that had been prophesied about him. That God's been very meticulous in the message system. Amen. That, that he, he laid a foundation. Part of the reason why we can believe the Bible is because of the prophetic element of the Bible. There's hundreds of things that had been prophesied uh, hundreds of years prior that Jesus came and walked out and the disciples came and walked out to give integrity to the truth. Integrity that God's behind this, past, he's behind it, present, and he's still declaring a future through it. Amen. So these are one of those places that Jesus decides to get on a donkey and as Josiah expressed, this triumphal entry on that side of Jerusalem. And it said the reason the disciples, well, it didn't say why, but we could just read into it. Why in the beginning? They wouldn't understand that. Because up until that time, there had been nothing about Jesus to draw the attention to himself. Amen? There had been nothing like that where he said, I want to be the master of ceremonies, the center of attention. I want to be the guy highlighted on this best parade that comes in to cause people to cheer towards me and, and give me accolades. There, that had been contrary to his style been contrary to his mission. As a matter of fact, we can find many times in Scripture, after he'd do an amazing creative miracle that could gather crowds, he would tell them, go and tell no one about this, right? So I'm not trying to draw attention. Uh, it's, it's, I'm trying to uh, push attention away from me. But now he takes a different role. And it's all about prophetic fulfillment. In Zechariah, this is what the added component was to what he fulfilled these 500 years later. It said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So to those who would have been able to make that connection, they would realize that Jesus just wasn't coming in as a modern-day superhero that could do miracles. But he was actually riding in as a prophetic fulfillment, as a king that God had appointed to reign. And he was a king who was just, and he was a king that was bringing salvation. Amazing. To you and I, these truths are known. Amen? It's amazing. Luke 19 says, at the same time this is happening, some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, I've read that verse different times, and I've always before like associated it with a, um, the idea like the earth is groaning. Amen. It says that earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. That, 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 that earth could recognize who he was before people could. I don't, that's how what my understanding was, that if, if somehow there wasn't an appropriate action, reaction from people, then creation would go ahead and respond and the stones would just break forth and shout out. Like in heaven, the flowers sing and the mountains declare and the trees of the field clap their hands. There's a response in the heavenly creation because of the glory to Jesus who he is. And so my thought was that he was just saying, hey, if somebody doesn't appropriately respond to this moment then the stones are going to respond, and you're going to hear this cheer coming from the walls. But it was actually another quote to another prophetic word that had been declared prior. 
in this procession, we, we just call this, if you look at your Bible, they give headings to this, these events that precede the crucifixion, the resurrection. This one would be called the triumphal entry, and it's a series of a few different things that took place. So in the triumphal entry, it was a fulfillment of Habakkuk, who was also a prophet. And some uh, commentaries call him the troubled prophet. That he was at a time in history where the uh, Babylonians were making a move. And, and he knew in his spirit, he knew by his prophecies, he knew from the insight God had given him, that it was just a matter of time and Judah was going to be captured. And so he is not just a prophet that's warning the people, but he's a prophet that's actually compelling God. Hey, you've got to intervene. You've got to do something to maintain your, your people. You've got to do something to actually maintain your reputation. So he was kind of an intercessory prophet at the same time. But Jesus quotes from him. And this is what Habakkuk said among several things in a, in a passage in Habakkuk 2. He said, you give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples and sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor for what is of no lasting value? And nations weary themselves in vain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters covered the sea. He was in travail because he saw oppression was coming in a governmental form. And he saw the burden that people are under. That they were laboring and they were being taught through culture. Taught through society to pursue things that have no eternal meaning. And, and it was under the burden of that. And so was Jesus when he rode into the city. And he was basically saying that. If, if there is an appropriate understanding of what is taking place right now, the, the walls are going to cry out, the timbers are going to cry out in judgment against you because of the perversion and the iniquity that's behind this system, both in the civil system and in the religious system. And this is going to play out in the procession as he moves forward. And it said in Matthew, And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, Nazareth of Galilee. It's, it's always amazing to me is that when you read this story, how in this time, this little event, the multitudes are declaring, this is Jesus of Nazareth. And he came with a burden. He came with a concern. I guess you'd say in one sense a political concern, but that really wasn't his message. It was, it was a spiritual concern. It was a concern for the kingdom of heaven. And he's able to mobilize all of these people because they were sensing the victory. They were sensing the freedom that was carried upon him. And, you know, so I was out studying. It's always such an adventure preparing a message. But I, I got sidetracked at part of my study. I just caught this caption, and it was from Foreign Policy magazine. And they were, they were talking about this movement in the world right now where people in various cities, this is Iraq. This is Iraq in February of 18, and that's a massive amount of people, in some senses, for fear of their life, they're coming out to protest political corruption and asking for a change. They've been under a burden of a religious system and a civil system that's taxed them to a point that they're beginning to cry out. Same thing in Romania, 2017 calling out for the removal of corruption and, and truth to begin to rule in a new way. This was Brazil 
2016, 3 million people coming against political corruption that's taking place in their nation. This is Panama in 2017. And Foreign Policy Magazine was making this claim that there's something shifting in the hearts of people in the world, crying out for a new sense of justice, for a new sense of, of political cooperation where they're not feeling oppressed. And they listed about 10 other nations where these major movements in the world have taken place, and they're, they're just bringing, bringing it out. And the conclusion of this writer, who's very well established, was we can't be sure... But this could be a global movement that's going to continue to increase. And then another, co another company had did this survey. This was a survey in America from 2017. It says, how corrupt are different U.S. institutions and groups? And they did, they did a random phone survey until they collected over 1,000 votes from the different demographics that match society across it. They, they claim in their, their work that they tried to be as objective is possible, and this is what people felt. 44% of the population said that there's corruption in the office of the president and officials tied to his office. And it's not necessarily tied to a personality, it's tied to the office. And then to the members of Congress, 38%. To the members of other government officials, 33%. Business executives, 32%. Local governments, 23%. Religious leaders, 22% of the population believes that there's corruption in the church at religious leaders that it can't be trusted. Tax officials, 21%. Police, 20%. Judges and magistrates, 16%. Just emphasizing that there is a growing intolerance to corruption. Amen. That things, there's things, Jesus said in his word that everything that can be shaken will be shaken till that which cannot be shaken will be taken out of the way. Amen. There's something going on. I, I watched about a half hour's worth of a March, March for Our Lives. It was, it's a movement happening this weekend in Washington, D.C. It's all the young people who've, who've, you know, come to Washington and they're protesting. The sad thing is in the, in the half hour that I watched, it was misdirected direction of what they were after. They're, they're angry about the gun, uh, guns and people dying innocently on their campuses and in their neighborhoods. But they're attacking the Second Amendment. They're attacking guns and, and not what's behind it. And I, I don't know about you, but it creates a great burden because I can see a super strong emotional movement like in the rest of social media where it could be so emotionally charged but it could be void of truth. And not that there isn't some truth in it, but it could be void of the targets of truth, right? There was nothing said in the half hour about drugs. There was nothing said about gang activity. It was all about officials, corrupt officials that have been elected that are protecting gun rights. And so you think about a movement like that in the minds of young, influential people. They could be empowered emotionally like something's going to really happen, but can miss the whole, miss the whole thing. Could come out worse off at the end than than going in. And so it's those kind of times, though. There's a travail in the earth. There's a travail in people. The good news is in that same survey that says 74% of the people said that you can still make a difference as an individual. Amen? 70, and those are Americans. That's not Christians. You should be 100% in this room to know that your life can make a difference. What you say, what you pray, how you share, how you interact, you've been set as the light of the world with the truth. Amen? You are the answer to Jesus' groaning when he rode into Jerusalem. Oof. 
And he wept over the city. That's the second part in his procession is he wept over the city. It says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, especially in your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side because you did not know the time of your visitation. Wow. And he came in, and, and like Joe says, Josiah was sharing, on the other side of town, here comes Pilate and, uh, and the military force to come and establish the rule, to let everyone know that this is a Roman city, it's under o Roman occupation, and everything will submit to Rome. There's going to be no disobedience, there's going to be no rebellion. Their eyes had been on the Jews and Jewish leaders for a long time. There had been a, a great civil dispute between those two forces, and, and they knew that there was pressure. There was political pressure. Now Jesus is coming with a kingdom pressure as another king on the scene. And so you can imagine what was taking place. And in all of that disruption, all of that distraction, all of those factions, Jesus said, you missed the things that would lead to your peace. And because you missed it, you missed the day of your visitation. And he began to prophesy about the year 70 AD when Titus would roll in and level the city and everything would be torn down stone by stone. And and everything would be pillaged. And the, the worship system as the Jews had known it for centuries would be wiped off the planet. That's amazing. It's an amazing story. As the story progresses, John spoke last week about Jesus cleanses the temple. And then after he cleanses the temple, they challenge him on his authority. And then he tells this parable of the wicked vine dressers. And he said, but when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come and let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. And therefore, when the owners of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and, and release or lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. It was a heavy duty. It was a heavy duty parable he gave right then. And, and the thing is, he made his point because it goes on in 45 to say, Now when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. How would that be? Here's Jesus, right? He's just got a triumphal entry. Now he's polarized the multitudes towards him. He's got favor. Now they're in fear that if they do something to him, there's going to be this outbreak, this retaliation, and a civil war could break out in the streets. But at the same time, they know, you know what? He's talking about us. He just told a parable that we were coming after the inheritance, and he's the son. But you know what? It didn't bring forth any kind of a turning of a heart. It didn't bring forth any kind of an understanding. It didn't bring a repentance that caused a realignment. As a matter of fact, their plots got deeper. And one of the, one of the um, it said in, in one of the Gospels that the, part of the reason the multitude came out, they knew Jesus was coming, and he brought with him Lazarus. And they wanted to see Lazarus, this guy who got raised from the dead. They came out to see him. And then that gospel goes on to say, and the Pharisees decided to kill Lazarus too. So he wanted both of them. Any witness of this other kingdom, this supernatural story, this, this God of salvation that Jesus is carrying that's contrary to their traditions, we got to try to wipe it out. But God's working on the behind the scenes. Amen. It makes me think of Isaiah when, when Isaiah started his ministry, Isaiah 1. He prophesied and, and he said something that if you would have been a Jew reading the scrolls would have been shocking. He said, your ceremonies, your new moons, your Sabbath, your religious feasts, I'm tired of it. 
doesn't mean anything to me. Don't do it anymore. And he said, he called out, he said, but let, let there be justice. Take, out the, take on the cry of the widow. Take on the cry of the orphan. Get corruption out of your midst and start doing things that are righteous, that bless the common person. God basically, in paraphrasing, he said, that's what warms my heart. That's what I'm after. That's what I want to see. And I, and I just got to say, in a New Testament application, I, I trust that we stay on course. And our worship for God is about worshiping Him and encountering Him and, 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 and you know, receiving of His Holy Spirit. But it can never substitute for other things. Amen? It's a both-end scenario. There has to be justice. Amen? There has to be a voice from the earth crying out for the poor. There has to be a voice crying out from the earth for the fatherless. God's eyes are upon those things. Jesus, that was in his mix when he rode into this city. It was in his mix. It was civil corruption, but it was also a religious corruption. They had distorted the nature of God. They distorted who God was. They'd, they'd hid the meaning that God was a father. All of those things were combined in what his burden was when he came into the city. And he still has the same burden when he comes into his church. Amen. Come on, if you can't say amen, say oh me, right? Because I don't want to be the subject of the parable, the religious leader, right? That blocks the people off from the kingdom of God and from the truth. And could just crowd them together to grow a congregation that could put, uh, draw income from for special interests. That's not what this is about, amen? It's not what it's about. It's about you being connected to God. And you develop a thriving relationship with him where, where you know him and you can't be drawn off by a crowd. Amen. Oh me, I've gone to preaching. Luke 10. This is his response. This is Jesus' response. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great and the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon it. If not, it'll return to you. I want to teach on that someday. We don't, that's not part of our, our normal thinking, but there's something so powerful in that. And he said, and heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I just stopped there. You know, that, that verse sometimes, and if you've been here for a while, you've hear, heard me share on this, but, but that verse in the commentary sometimes say, well, Jesus was referring back when he saw Satan thrown out of heaven. Like there was a rebellion. If you follow the story in the beginning, Lucifer was the anointed cherub in heaven. Rebellion was found in him. He led a rebellion and he was cast out of heaven. That's kind of a fairy tale type of story, but it blends with all of the books. Amen. It's, it's part of the storyline that matches if you're a student of the word of God. But they, they say Jesus is making a reference back to a historical moment when, when Lucifer fell from the sky. But that's not the context at all. The context was this political corruption this stronghold that would happen over towns, over cities, over small groups of elders, over uh, princi principalities and magistrates that would rule over regions. This propensity for corruption, for bribery that resulted in oppression is actually connected to demonic structures. 
And he said, when I send you by two and you declare the kingdom of heaven is near you and you declare the shalom of God into that place and you heal the sick, he said, I watch Satan fall from the sky like lightning. I watch his structure begin to be broken down over homes, over individuals, over villages, over towns. And he said, that's how we're going to do this. It's not from a central seat of government. It's because you're going to go with a message. And your message is peace. And your message is power. And your message is authority. Because he said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Notice he never said people. Over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that your spirit, that spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are enrolled in heaven or written in heaven. And you think about, you know, his promise, nothing shall by any means hurt you. I wrestled over that. I've declared that promise different times when I've been on different missions. And I, I believe there's, there's truth in it. I believe there's power in it. But I don't think it was a guarantee that you'll never be persecuted. I don't think it's a guarantee that as a martyr that there are some that wouldn't give their life up for the gospel. And in some sense as they were burned and, and you know, eat by lions and I don't know if you, if you haven't had a chance. You probably haven't because it's just out. But I would highly recommend the movie Paul the Apostle. It's playing at the Fair Oaks right now. I went to that movie by myself. Huh? The other theater, Regals. The Regal, the, the big, bigger theaters in, uh, in the Arroyo Grande. It's probably in Santa Maria too. But it's the story of Paul and Luke. Paul in jail and Luke coming to him and, and him pulling out of Paul the last writings that he, he put together while he was in prison. It's a time when Nero, the tyrant, one of the worst tyrants in history, he would be up there with Hitler, was ruling over Rome and where Christians were being taken in and covered with tar and put on stakes and lit on fire and they would light the boulevards at night would be burning Christians. So those guys came out of this, the time when the Gospels were just being recorded when Luke would have told this story. But Jesus made a promise Nothing by any means will hurt you. And they're being burned on stakes to light the boulevards. And, but you think the, the, the interpretation comes from the next part when he said, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know, God sees everything through an eternal filter. He sees your and my life as just a moment in time, as just a little passing vapor. And all the buildup of the, the pomp and circumstance of living this life in Western culture that goes on from day to day. The amount of time we spend in the mirror. And all the, the things that happen to build this life up and make this life amazing and, and wonderful. That I rejoice in and I take good pleasure and I love where I live. I love the freedoms that we have. But I realize that it's eternity that's in God's heart and mind. I also realize that in, in facing eternal things, whatever the enemy can put in my way, what he can try to attach to me, what he can throw at me, that really in the eternal weight of things, nothing can really hurt me. Amen? Nothing can. It actually secures. Persecution secures for you a better resurrection. Harassment secures for you a better resurrection. And Jesus coming into Jerusalem riding on the back of that donkey, as, as humble as it sounds, there was a great triumphant processional thing. And, and he knew what he carried. He meditated in the scriptures. He knew the law. He, he knew the law and the prophets. He said that he did. We saw it in his testimony. He knew what he was fulfilling in Habakkuk. He knew that he, what he was fulfilling in Zechariah. 
And he knew that someday that this would happen, that he would arrive at this other place. Because in Revelation 7, 9, it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and look at this, with palm branches in their hands. Isn't that amazing? That the prophetic fulfillment of things... God even puts palm branches in heaven to draw a a connection between what Jesus walked out on earth and what ultimately happens in heaven. And they were crying with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So 2000 years have passed. John's revelation writing this was the probably the towards the end of the first century. So he would have been 600 years from Zechariah's prophecy, from then what they fulfilled in the streets of Jerusalem, and now in heaven, his plan, his mission of bringing salvation was successful. Multitudes that could not be counted before the throne, cheering and with palm branches in their hands, saying the king of salvation truly does sit upon a throne. Amen? Mission accomplished. Amen? And your names are written in that book if you've opened your heart to Jesus. And he did it for you and he did it for me. He made it to the throne from that donkey for you and for me. But there's a a scripture we just want to pray into before we close today. And it was this part. If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now are hidden from your eyes because you did not know the time, of your visitation. I think, you know, more than anything, and it was awesome, somebody led out in prayer this morning. For the rest of you that gather here at 10 o'clock, and some don't come till 10 after, and the ones that come at 20 after, I just want you to know that before you arrive, (laughs) taking place in the parlor room, there is an amazing group of intercessors, people that come on Sunday morning, and they pray for us. And they pray for you. And it's a powerful time of prayer, powerful time of gathering. But they're calling out for you, for your heart, for your needs, for your family, for your healing. And somebody actually prayed this prayer today about the day of visitation. The people would know the day of their visitation. And you might have got here today. You might be a friend of a friend. Somebody pulled you along. Maybe you've been here multiple times. And you've heard that what we try to end with every week is the invitation of the gospel where you personally have an opportunity to ask Jesus Christ into your life, where you get to say, Lord, will you come into my life? The same way you wrote into the city, will you enter into my heart? Will you be the king of salvation for me? Not just a multitude, but for me. That's what the invitation is. And you think about, in this case, the multitude and all the stuff that was going on in the city. It wasn't just a corruption. It wasn't just a... Bribery is just always the noise, always the distraction, the pressure of living, the pressure of having to be somewhere to perform, to do something. There was sporting events. There was all this stuff that fills life was going on in that busy culture the same way it is today. And God sets up days of visitation. How many know that? There's appointed times, the Kairos moments is what scripture says. There, there's time, but then there's appointed times. 
And in those appointed times where he wants to visit you and he wants to put something in your life or he wants to walk into your life or he wants to call you up higher into his life, there's moments in time that if you miss, then there's something that gets left out of your life, at least for that season. In this case, they had missed it to a point where they missed the final visitation and judgment was coming to Jerusalem. And it was one of the ugliest Josephus a historian wrote about what happened in that pillage. And it was one of the most terrible, devastating things that could happen to a piece of geography ever at any time. But they missed it. I just pray that that wouldn't be you today. That you wouldn't miss an opportunity. You came today. There's lots going on in your life. There's good reasons to be distracted. But nothing is worth missing. The invitation to ask Jesus to come into your heart. And maybe for some people who are believers, this might be an invitation for Jesus to come and, and just put peace in your heart. Declare his shalom. It could be a day of visitation where he wants to go from just Savior to Lord. Where he's inviting you to just say, hey Jesus, I, I'm willing to just submit to you. <laughs> I'm willing to, to submit my heart, my life. Let you become Lord, not just, you know, not to, you know, overuse a country western song, but Jesus take the wheel, amen. Like, uh, there's, it could be he, he's making that, he's making that invitation today. We don't want to, we want to miss it when the Holy Spirit has plans for us at appointed times. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you move in this place. I pray you move in this place. God, we need to know you. We want to know you. Some ways I feel like a troubled Habakkuk. I feel like there's things looming in the, in the future. There's things looming that if we don't have your intervention, if we don't seek the things that make for peace, that we could really blow it. And I, I have that same tormented soul today that I want people to be secure in you, Lord. I want him to really know you, not know me, not know my voice, know your voice. That you would know, that they, they would know the scriptures, that they would every day have a connection with you, that they could walk in security with you. So when storms come, that they not only prevail over the storm, but they, they rise up victoriously. I just pray that today. God, let the transformational connection be strong today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus name John can you come and finish please thank you father I pray that God that you would touch bodies today I thank you for the faithful prayers I just went through something this week in my own health I had one of my eyes attacked man the faithful prayers of the saints carried me and got me through it and, and I, just, I just pray for you right now if there's something going on in your body something going on in your mind speak to anxious places where anxiety works with hopelessness in souls right now I speak hope You'll, he'll get you through it he'll get you through it Psalm 37 says dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness that's what I was doing this week I was feeding on his faithfulness feeding on the other times where he came through where I, I was doubtful when I, I just remember different times hitting the wall in life. 
different time feeling like I was in a pit and the only way out was to claw my way out and I knew I didn't have the strength and, and feeling stuck. But then Jesus came. God came. He made a way. He changed life. He brought light. I pray that today for those who are struggling. In the name of Jesus, the shalom of God, the hope of God to the center of your being. You are loved. You are loved. And you're in an eternal plan. And this is momentary light affliction. Nothing by any means is going to be able to derail you. There's grace for strength. There's grace for hope. There's joy for sadness. God, we thank you for that today. Minister to your people. Love your people. Affirm your people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. That was so good. You agree? Can someone say amen? It's a good word. Awesome. Well, I, I pray that God spoke to you. Um, our hope in, in doing this is that beyond what's said from this platform, um, that God himself, the source, um, would come in and he was, would make his home in you and he'd speak to you and lead you and bring you that type of shalom, that peace that surpasses understanding. Um, and I, I just love how my dad takes things that, you know, for some of us who've been chur in church a long time, you know, we've, we've gone through a lot of Palm Sundays. <laughs> I don't know how many Palm Sundays, I've, but I guess 27 Palm Sundays I've lived through now. <laughs> I was born in church. Um, but I just love how my dad takes things that can be so routine. And, and man, I just feel mission. I, right? Do you agree? You feel like you just got commissioned? into the world, um, and so I, I just pray that that awakens in you. I, I love this whole upheaval in the world. I, I think it's fantastic how people are speaking up, and even if it's incorrect, at least people are saying something, if I can be so bold in saying that. Sometimes just people getting out of their chairs will inspire someone with the right message to do the same thing, and um, uh, so I, I think it's a beautiful thing, and uh, yeah, I, I pray that the church is the first to do it. That in, in love and in peace and that our voices would be heard just as Jesus's was heard not to make himself known uh, but to make a kingdom known that is not of this earth and uh, it's a kingdom of peace love joy and righteousness and uh, pray that that's our same commitment as Christians amen cool let's pray before we go Lord we thank you for everything that you spoke everything you did, and I ask that these seeds would go down deep and you would water them and there would be life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday. And we would go into next Sunday, Easter, full of anticipation, expectation of celebrating our risen King who is no longer in the grave but is alive and well and able to reconcile all things unto himself. In Jesus' name, amen.